Memorial Day. This is Kevin Bay. From the world famous website KevinBay.com. This is that's all I got. That's all I got. It ain't much. Happy Memorial Day. As the nation is supposed to be celebrating the men and women of the armed forces that have put themselves on the line to keep our country free. The people who have gone to battle, who have died, so uh, people like me can buy some cheap podcast rig and say what I think. That's kind of a powerful thing if you think about it. That people, at least right now, they they volunteer. You know, I mean, yes, they get paid, but still they they voluntarily join the armed forces. Uh, you know, some, I you know, obviously they, they do it for some of the benefits that, that they get from it, but some do it out of strict uh, patriotic duty to the country because they believe in keeping the country free. You know, and it, and anybody who pays, you know, as, as it's maybe too often said, or it's become a kind of a cliche, but it's, it's really not that they, you know, pay the ultimate sacrifice so the rest of us can do silly things like this. On with the silliness. It's kind of it was a, you know it's an oddball week where there's a lot of a lot of wacky news, but it also it's kind of a short week because everybody's looking. You can feel the pent up demand for people wanting to get out. They want they want summer to start. They want the COVID stuff to go away, and they want to start living life back to normal. The problem is is that the news and you know the the government. They, they don't want you to get back to normal. They keep pushing everything. They keep pushing the vaccines. And, you know, with the first, it was, you know, only a third of the country was vaccinated. And I, I don't think that was working necessarily for their goal of pushing everybody in, into vaccines. I think it was having the opposite effect. And, and it stayed that way for quite some time. And then suddenly the numbers started to change. You know, they they called people like me, you know, vaccine hesitant. I'm not vaccine hesitant. I get necessary vaccines. I don't get unnecessary vaccines. But, you know, as, as it was apparent that a good portion of the, of the U.S. population do not want to get these vaccines for whatever reason, whether they're experimental or they feel like they're not at high risk. But, you know, the push to not just vaccinate adults but to get some get children vaccinated is kind of it's disturbing in a way because when have we ever done this vaccinated children against diseases for which they do not have by and large uh, an overwhelming number uh don't get sick and they don't suffer severe COVID reactions. Now, obviously, somebody's going to bring up, 
you know, the, the few children that, that did have problems and that did die. Nobody's denying that those things happened, but they're few and far between. So much so that why in the world would you experiment on your children with a vaccine that still is not approved by the FDA? It's only authorized. They're, they're, you know, they've applied for approval, but it hasn't happened yet. And I think part of that reason is there's a, there's a big push out there for the therapies, hydroxychloroquine, which was poo-pooed out the door, and now it's kind of slowly making its way back in. And the same thing with ivermectin. Ivermectin never really got pushed totally out. It was just on the fringe until Dr. Corey testified uh, at a Senate hearing and really laid it, laid it out there. And, and his group, the Frontline Care Doctors, I can't remember the name of it, but his name is Dr. Pierre Corey, I remember that. And he was so adamant and so sincere about, he couldn't understand why our government, our our quote-unquote experts weren't looking at the therapeutics. There's another person which I've never heard of him before, but he's making the rounds and he's uh, credentialed and he's, you know, he's got an arrogant way of saying that he has standing. He knows what he's talking about and he's putting his reputation on the line. And uh, his name was Dr., or his name is rather, Dr. Peter McCullough. And I still have yet to get all the uh, the clips of him talking about what he's saying about the therapeutic drugs. So I, th- I, I just get that feeling that there's that pushback now, and, and the pushback is gaining some momentum. And I think it's driven not only by some of these doctors who are putting their personal reputations on the line, but also the American public that is just sick and tired of being told what to do, being told to shut up and put their masks on, being told to socially distant, being told to vaccinate their their children. I think, you know, finally we've reached a a tipping point, at least I hope. I can't say the same for Europe. You know, whenever I read the news coming out of Europe... They're still all with the crazy, with the crazy lockdown and vaccine passport business. Canada, Canada's just lost their gourd. The Canadian government. I I don't know what the people. I don't I don't know if the people up there are trusting in Trudeau. It's hard to tell. But you know the arresting of of pastors because they're holding church. And the crazy lockdowns that they're doing now, you still can't get into Canada without doing a government-mandated quarantine and multiple testing and all this kind of baloney. They've, they've lost their minds. Uh, but from my blog, let's see, since the last time I blogged, I had... Uh, oh, there's an MIT professor that says it's possible that... COVID-19 can alter our DNA. 
It is a controversial claim. A new study suggests the coronavirus doesn't just hijack our cells. In some cases, this is from it 10 news .com. our DNA. Our ABC 10 News anchor Derek Stahl is going in depth on what it all means. So altering our DNA. It all now, started with patients like Chris Long. After he was hospitalized with COVID in March 2020, the virus just wouldn't go away. I now, they, when you read the story behind this, they do tell you at the end that the vaccines can't do this. But why not? Why can't they? If SARS-CoV-2 or you know COVID-19, COVID-19 is the illness, SARS-CoV-2 is the virus. Why we have such a confusing way of talking about this, I don't know. But one or the other is probably SARS-CoV-2 uh, that can alter your DNA. Now, since the mRNA vaccines are modeled after the spike, uh, that little spiked ball that we all see, the spike protein, uh, and that's supposed to mimic the virus so that your body uh, produces an immune response. So what is actually changing the DNA? Is it the spike protein with the virus in it? Is it uh, the illness of COVID-19, which is, you know, I mean, the illness itself is, you know, just multiple symptoms of different things. But I don't know. They say it can't. The experts have not been shi uh, shining examples of all of that. Uh, on May 24th, uh, you got to see the video for this, but I can't show it. It's just a video. There was, uh, this is an old video, October 9th, 2020. Somebody tweeted, it was fantastic. I don't know where it was or whatever, but there was a guy who stepped out into a street somewhere and he tried to carjack somebody. And instead, what the person did was they hit, the <laughs> they, I'm just watching it right now. It makes me laugh. The guy pulls out the gun in the middle of the street and the driver just accelerates into him, hits him, drives him onto the sidewalk, and then just drives away. That's the way you deal with a carjacker. A carjacker. It was hilarious. It, it uh, entertained me to, to no end. I got to stop that video. It's still playing here. Okay, uh, the next one was, what the hell with these stupid passport, uh, I don't, I don't remember where I saw it, but, and I don't, I never heard the term before, I got my Fauci ouchie, I don't, I don't, I can't even remember where I was perusing, but I ran across this picture of it, and I saw them, I went and searched for them and saw them on Etsy, and they're like passport books, you know, a little book that you would put your passport inside of, and that. Uh, Maybe that's for their stupid, these guys are anticipating the vaccine passport. I don't know. But on the cover, it says, I got my Fauci ouchie. And it's got a little picture of a syringe. And the O in got is the little spike protein coronavirus. Would you ever in your life want to get anything called the Fauci ouchie? It, to me, it just sounds like a brand new venereal disease. It sounds like something that you really need... Uh, a good course of antibiotics to get rid of. I hope that's the case. Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, we had the George Floyd anniversary 
which they were making a big deal out of in Minneapolis, and George Floyd Square. And you had this reporter from, let's see, his name is Philip Crowther. He is an international affiliate reporter for APGMS. What the heck is APGMS? It's Associated Press GMS. What's GMS stand for? Anyway, he's from AP, Associated Press. So he was reporting from uh, George Floyd Square, and hilarity ensued. This bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be... He's just uh, standing there, too. He didn't even react right away, which is quite funny. Meanwhile, he got guys diving on the ground, and then there's a guy, like some sport coach, just kind of nonchalantly strolling away from the sound of the gunfire. Meanwhile, there's a... There's a portly man hiding behind a pickup truck, people running everywhere, people shouting, sit down, and the man in the light blue, powder blue sport coat is just still standing there, just watching the whole thing unfold. Anyway, that's it's up on the website. I downloaded that particular Twitter video because you never know what's going to get taken down. He's like, oh, wait, we got some more gunfight, gunfire. And there's the, the man in the powder blue blazer still just uh, wandering around. <laughs> oh, the madness. The madness of it all. Oh, let me pause that. Anyway, the the Twitter the Twitter the video from Twitter still up. I downloaded it anyway and uploaded it to uh, noagendatude.com just in case it gets taken down so everybody can enjoy that craziness of the most mostly peaceful gunshots fired that day. Uh back to COVID-19. Oh, out of the UK, COVID-19 did not kill William Shakespeare. It wasn't the vaccine either. Instead, uh, William Shakespeare died. Oh, what the heck did he die of? Let's see here. This is from the BBC. It says, Bill Shakespeare, 81 years old, he received, he was the first man to receive the vaccine, the COVID vaccine in December. Uh, what, I, <laughs> I don't know where I put it. I know he died. Uh, I thought I included that in the link. Okay, here it is. The 81-year-old who had served his local community in Alice-Lee for more than three decades died of a stroke. So he was 81 years old. You know, anytime you, you make it to 70, 75 years old, the chances of you, you living to the next day, each and every day, goes down. You could literally die at any point. So, you know, we, we lock down the world for the elderly population. I'm not saying that we shouldn't protect them, that they shouldn't take precautions and, you know, to try not to get sick and die. But the fact is, when you're 75 or older, even 70 years old and older, the chances are you're going to die. <laughs> the, the chances are the very next day, the chances are higher the next day that you're going to die if you're over 70 than if you're 40 or 50 or 60. And then if you have any other health problems, you know, it gets worse from there. Now, I'm not, you know, people are going to say I'm cold-hearted and then I want people to die. I don't want people to die. Both my parents are in are 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 old. 
My mother's born in 1941. My father, 1934. My father has type 2 diabetes. So, you know, neither one of them so far have gotten COVID that I know of. My father's gotten his vaccine. My mother has not. You know, they're, they're both doing their thing. But the chances of you living to the next day when you're that old are not high. So we locked down the world for that. And meanwhile, you know, William Shakespeare, Bill, you know, I hope he didn't have any bad symptoms from, from his vaccine that he received because maybe he was perfectly healthy. And six months after receiving his vaccine and doing everything they can to prolong his life, he died anyway. I don't know. I, what's the sense in all of this? And then moving on, it's like COVID never goes away. I, th I think that's the real long tail of COVID is that it's never going to go away. Or what is the next news story that's going to take this over? You know, we had Trump kind of ruling the world news-wise since 2016. They've successfully pushed him off. To, COVID successfully pushed Trump off to the side. I mean, he's still there. They're still investigating him. They still, they, they're keeping him in the wings in case something, something doesn't quite play right, and then they can go back to Trump. You know, he's, I guess he's going to be, he has been or going to be indicted in New York for whatever. They, you know, at least the stuff that I've seen so far in the news, they're talking about insurance and um, fraud with loans. But the, the thing about that is, is that he, you know, saying that he would use high appraisals to get loans and low appraisals for insurance purposes, you know, because it would lower his cost. You know, just like you would use low appraisals to try to, um, to protest your property taxes, Appraisals and, and values, those things of real estate or any any asset, it's subjective. It's not an objective thing. You can't say that this building at this point in time is worth $10 billion. You know, it might be worth $10 billion to somebody who wants to buy it tomorrow, it, and it might be worth $2 billion to somebody else saying, I'm not going to pay that much money for that building. So it's it's very subjective. Now you can use appraisals and appraise. You know, I think this is the problem with with the American public and what they're exposed to business wise. You know, I was in broadcasting for twenty twenty eight years, where we had to have we had to have our properties. Uh, you know, when, when when we were looking at lines of credit, we had to value the properties, uh, the, the value of our broadcast properties. It's highly subjective. Highly subjective. You know, a station in Chicago, somebody might want to buy it today, say for $50 million. And then you wait six months, and maybe the market changes, and then somebody says, well... What the heck do I want a TV station for? Maybe I'm, I'm only going to pay $10 million. You know, it's the same thing for, for real estate or any other asset where the value is subjective. 
So, you know, I think that they're just kind of keeping Trump waiting in the wings. They'll keep him out there just in case COVID starts to fall apart, you know, so they could bring that around. You had uh, Gates, Bill Gates, which has had some tough times in the news lately to dealing with his divorce and now all this other uh, weird stuff with him and Epstein and his charity. I don't know. It's weird, weird things are happening with him. But there was a, a, a long Wall Street Journal article about, um, there was, let's see, let me go back to my blog here, because I can never remember exactly what I said or what the story was, but okay. It was a long Wall Street Journal article about how a utopian idea to distribute vaccines to the world's healthcare workers failed miserably. Uh, and in the article... Uh, it starts out, well, it doesn't start out, but in somewhere in the middle here, I got a few paragraphs here, and I, I highlighted them in bold one. You can see it on the website. It starts, like Operation, uh, like Operation Warp Speed, the multi-billion dollar initiative in the U.S. government would eventually form, what? Okay, let me reread that. That that was horrible. Like, like Operation Warp Speed, the multi-billion dollar initiative the U.S. government would eventually form, this program would make it possible for governments to secure vaccines in advance, said Richard Hatchett, chief executive of the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, or CEPI, C-E-P-I, who had lashed out the idea, or hashed out, sorry, hashed out the idea with the Berkeleys in Davos that would make it easier for countries to manage the risk of investing in medicines while they were still in testing. Gavi, founded two decades ago with financing from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, this is the highlighted portion, they teamed up with CEPI, also a Gates-funded organization which invests in vaccine development for emerging infectious diseases. The WHO backed the idea, and Dr. Ted, Director General Tedros, I forget how to pronounce this, the rest of his freaking name, Dr. Ted Tedros, rallied European leaders into joining an April 24th video conference during which the French President Emmanuel Macron extolled what would eventually be called the COVID-19 Vaccines Global Access Facility, or COVAX. This will make evident whether we can really work together for the benefit of many millions of people, said German Chancellor Angela, or Angela Merkel, as heads of state from across Africa, Latin America, and Asia listened in. Not on the call. Russia, which was developing its Sputnik V vaccine, China, which was working on its own shots, or the United States, which didn't join until early 2021, because obviously Trump was gone. Uh, so, so I said here, what did I say here? Maybe, just maybe, if such a panic, if such panic and hysteria wasn't created surrounding the virus with lockdowns in such countries like the U.S., China, and Russia, and later the EU wouldn't have rushed to secure all the vaccines for themselves. Populations wanted desperately to get back to normal and demanded their governments vaccine get vaccines at any cost. There was no reason for all this panic. Um, the thing is, is that they weren't able to get vaccines to poor countries to vaccinate the healthcare workers. As much as the Gates Foundation tried, um, they failed. They, they, it's, it seems that the Gates Foundation is on all ends of this. They are on, they're, they're on the funding end. They're on the investment end. They're on the distribution end. I, and I can't quite figure out, you know, what, what is Bill Gates' deal? 
I mean, I followed his entire career with Microsoft. And what he's getting out of this, I have no idea. But he's... The news has turned sour on him, and I wonder what that's all about, too, because it, usually there's something else behind the scenes that nobody's really saying. Well, hopefully something like that. Something will shake out, and we'll know what's going on with him. With California, California is in the news because these knuckleheads are paying $2,600 a month for homeless people to have uh, a, a little tent city in a parking lot. This was out of NPR. Uh, they say on a recent afternoon, the site was nearly full. A row of porta potties stood along one side of the camp. The program also provides showers, three meals a day, and 24 hour security. They've got everything but the building. Campers, as they like to call them, not homeless people, campers. They get entered into the country's database for matching unhoused people with social services. According to a report by the city administration office, administrative office, the new East Hollywood Campground. It just sounds like so much fun, doesn't it? The East Hollywood Campground. You go there, you roast some marshmallows, maybe some hot dogs over an open fire, which of course would start some massive wildfire in California. Uh, the, the campground costs approximately $2,663 per participant per month. That's higher than what a typical one-bedroom apartment rents for in the city, according to the website Rent Cafe. While the per-tent cost covers services, meals, sanitation, and staffing, some are concerned that the city is investing too much in short-term band-aids over long-term solutions. They should just, um, just build some favelas there and get it over with. Forget the tents. Just let people build whatever kind of ramshackle shanty that they want to build and just let them do what they want because spending taxpayer money at this is just ridiculous. And then we have uh, the U.S. version of Tiananmen Square in reverse. This is where the government, our government, and our media is telling us that on January 6th, uh, there was an attempt to overthrow the government. There was a coup attempt. There was an insurrection on January 6th, which I've, I've, covered, I've blogged it many times now. Insurrectionists do not walk within velvet ropes designed for tourists. And then, I, you know, just cruising through Twitter, I ran across this video, which I've seen before, but I never blogged it before. So I thought I'd do it this time. And it, it's a guy who um, yells at the Capitol Police. Why are you letting this happen? Why haven't you called for backup? Where is your backup? This is our damn Capitol building. And y'all are letting it get destroyed. And he's, he's right there in his blocks. face. He's right there in their face. And they're there in their riot gear and their billy clubs. Get some help down here. And he's just letting them have it. And they're just standing there. They don't know what to do. He's got a, a Trump 45 hat on, a, you know, Make America Great Again hat on. And he's just screaming at these guys that are just standing there. So, you know, in some of the other videos where you see the people just kind of milling about in the Capitol Rotunda, you see Capitol Police standing there having conversations with people. If this was truly an insurrection... 
truly a coup attempt, which you, you know, I don't know how Trump overthrows himself. That's not how it would have gone down. If people wanted to carry massive weaponry in there that day, they could have done it. They just let them in. I mean, yeah, some, some people were, you know, broke windows and broke doors to get in. You know, and the big lie that, that an officer was killed that day, that's the big lie. You know, Hillary Clinton uh, tweeted that that uh, the insurrectionists killed a cop. She tweeted that this week. And that's just an outright lie. It's a straight-up lie. The only person that died that day during the event, uh, during the protest, and you know, the, the riot was Ashley Babbitt. I don't even, can you really call that even a riot? It's more like a protest that got out of hand. You know, a full-fledged riot, they would have ripped down portraits, statues, set things on fire. None of that happened. So, you know, Ashley Babbitt was the only one that actually died as a direct result of people breaking into the Capitol building. The other person that was uh, killed that day was a woman, and I don't remember her name, but she was trampled. and But she was not inside the building. She was outside the building. But no Capitol Police were killed. No members of com- Congress were harmed. You know, as a matter of fact, once the whole deal settled down, they just went back and, and had their vote. So that I call our Tiananmen Square moment, because... Um, The news media is just not not covering this properly. So we had a case of a mom in Illinois at Elmhurst Hospital, and I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right, but it looks like it's the name is Nuri uh, Nuri <laughs> J Fipe N U R I J E Fipe F Y P E. They sued the hospital in order to have ivermectin administered and they won now last i read the hospital itself did not administer it they allowed an outside doctor to come and administer whatever the ivermectin protocol is to um to this mom this this woman and her health started to improve and so i kept looking for an update and i couldn't find one none of the chicago media covered it nobody followed up on it you know, so I tweeted um, the Chicago Tribune's reporter that reported on it, and he tweeted me back that, you know, because it's not public information, he couldn't find out. So I tweeted uh, the woman's daughter. I found her on, on Twitter, and I just asked her, how's she doing? And she replied back that she's doing better. That she started to respond, and then this week they had some uh, surgery. Uh, they had a trachea done because they didn't want to keep, they didn't want her continue to be intubated. And they said the surgery went well. She looks stable, but she's in pain, and they're trying to get her off sedation. So um, that you know, it's weird. I think that the news media would bother to cover it. And then not follow up on it. You know, I, I don't quite understand what they're doing or why, but 
uh, and then, you know, I had the weird thing of the reporter deleting his, his responses to me where, you know, my questions to him and his response, they were all nothing. You know, it was just average kind of talk. I just wanted to find out what happened. But he deleted his, and I, you know, as a result, my replies to him were gone. So maybe because I'm some crazy um, COVID denialist, ivermectin pusher, I don't know. I don't know what I am. Regardless, it was a short week. Oh, this is going to be a short week. Last week was just a slow news week, it seems to me. This coming week will also be short, but who knows what's going to come up. There's there's a lot of stuff seems to be kind of percolating around the China uh, lab creation of the virus. There seems to be a lot of little tiny things percolating up on Dr. Fauci and the funding of the labs over there. And I hope to find some more information on uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and, and what he's been saying about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. So... If you want to hear more of that kind of rambling, stay tuned, come back next week, and I will post it. But for now, that's all I got. I still need to work on all of this. Oh, by the way, this is a podcast, 2.0 compatible podcast. Go to newpodcastapps.com. I got to remember to put these things in at the beginning, at the end. I don't remember when. I barely know how to talk in this thing, let alone do a, a show that has some kind of a format and organization. Enjoy what's left of the, the long weekend, according to Kamala Harris. Happy Memorial Day.